So it is awesome to be here. Thank you so much for um, having just a, a real privilege to be in the city this morning. So we're going to get underway. Um, it is my honor to bring the word of God this morning. Oh, before I go, youth camp. Young people in the house today, if you're youth and young adults, you want to go to Camp Fierce, it is going to be crazy. Four days of pure mayhem and no sleep. Young people love that stuff and parents love that stuff because it's four pure bliss days of no kids in your house. You have four days worth of food in your house. So send them to youth camp at the high schools or young adults, uni students. You are most welcome to come to Camp Fierce. Register today anyway. Okay, well... Um, it is Queen's birthday weekend. Do we have any royal fans in the house? Yeah, come on, come on. Don't be shy, don't be shy. I am still reeling from the royal wedding. Um, and I'm a huge royal fan, family fan from way back. So I used to keep scrapbooks of Princess Diana and all her uh, amazing outfits. Anyone remember? Yes, Princess Diana. These days they call it Pinterest. Uh, those days we call it scrapbooks where we used to cut out all the or the pictures, um, and so I just absolutely, I, I, st- I was one of those people that stayed up and watched the entire fanfare of the wedding, and it was something else, and there were so many parts of the day that was huge. Her dress was huge, the um, crowds were huge, the international media was huge, uh, but what about that Reverend Michael Curry's message? Ooh, man. Um, his unforgettable message about God's love. And that was honestly next level. If you didn't catch it, he talked about God's redemptive love for the world. And he talked about that we are called to love God and love other people. And he preached it with fire and he preached it with passion. And so the wedding came and went and it was amazing. But a couple of things um, stood out for me. Firstly, on a world stage, God's love for humanity was um, shouted from the rooftops. So 2.2 billion people heard about God's love. That's like a third of the world's population heard about God's love for them. And the second thing that stood out was how this sparked so many conversations around the world on every television, on every broadcast, on every talk show, social media posts was blowing up big time as people talked about Reverend Curry's message about God's love. Whether they agreed, whether they didn't agree, it didn't matter. The opinions and their conversations littered the news. You see, God's master plan, because um, here's, oh, sorry, here's the thing about what I loved about it, is that when the good news is delivered to where it needs to go, people can't help but be challenged, people can't help but be provoked, people can't help but think about their state of life condition of their heart. There has to be more than this, than just waking up, going to get an education, or growing up, getting an education, getting a degree, finding a girlfriend, or finding a boyfriend, getting, having a career, then finding another boyfriend, and then finding another girlfriend. Um, There has to be more to life than just growing up, having a career, working, getting married, having some kids, growing old, and then dying. God, there has to be more to life than this. And God's master plan is that he never, he never meant the church to be inside the four walls. And I love the fact that we're having church at a university this morning. See, God's plan is that his love would go into every part of society, 
and to every culture and to every part of our community, breaking down social statuses, reaching those who are in desperate need to hear of uh, God's love, just like the people at the royal wedding. And if I was totally honest, there were parts of his message that I was felt a little bit uncomfortable with, but I was challenged by. And yet the message was for me. It sparked up conversations in my life that got me thinking. See, the reality is, church, thousands and thousands of people are facing eternity without Christ. Rich, poor, powerful, elite, the glamorous, the famous, to the everyday working person, to our mums, our dads, our parents, our brothers and sisters, and our best friends. See, Hebrews 9.27 says it is appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. So put simply, hell is a reality. People don't need Jesus when they're almost facing eternity at the end of their life. People need Jesus now. We all know people that are hurt and broken and are down and out. We don't need to wait to the end of our lives to experience how good God is, to experience his faithfulness, his goodness, his fullness. So the burning question to you this morning, or the burning question that I'm talking to, that I'm preaching to myself and I'm asking myself, is what am I doing to get the gospel beyond these walls? As a follower and a believer of Christ, and most of us are in this room, what are we doing to get the gospel outside these four walls? How do people around us know that Jesus is real and alive? I love that God doesn't just tell us, hey, you need to go take the gospel. He shows us how to do it, and he does it in the Bible. This morning, the title of my message, if it comes up, is Making Conversation. Making Conversation. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray that you would speak to every single one of us this morning. Father, you would stir us, you would challenge us, Lord God, not just to be hearers of the word, but as followers and believers of Christ, Lord, made in your image, Lord, to be changed and to be made like you. God, help us to take the word beyond these gospels, beyond these four walls, to a world that needs you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as um, we heard earlier on, Susie was saying in the team, we're in an incredible season as a church, right? Of God's blessing, of his goodness, um, and hearing him speak to us as a church, but also personally. And I love how God moved at our conferences at New Zealand and beyond. And I'm still stirring from some of those messages that was preached. Anyone else? Yeah. And if, um, if I was to be honest, if there was one message that kept, that was was so strong and it came through every message. It was to be the church outside the four walls. How could it not be? Because it is God's heartbeat to seek and save the lost. This morning we're going to look at a passage found in the Bible. It's John 4. It's the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go there. It's a little bit of a reading, so stay with us, but it should be on the screens. So the background is, is Jesus was going, leaving Judea, and he was going to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So we're going to pick up from verse 5, and it says, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, as tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift that 
of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can I get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from, and drank from it himself as, too, as did also his son and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them like a water welling up in eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said, you are right. You have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Then leaving her jar of water, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it, it's, not, it's still four months to the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes, the fields are ripe and ready. You know, many times when we read the Bible, we kind of see the surface level stuff and we're just like, oh yeah. But until you dig deep and until God begins to show you things and, um, that you've never thought before, And this story really is about the power of a simple act of making conversation and how a simple conversation with someone outside of these four walls can bring change to their life. So we're going to look at the story and how Jesus took the gospel outside the walls, and he does it in four ways, and uh, those four ways start with the letter C, just to help us remember. So the first one, Jesus was a man on a mission, and he was called to seek and save the lost. So Jesus was commissioned to go. Jesus was commissioned to go. The word commission means an instruction. It means a command or an authority. And it's given to somebody to do a task or a role. Jesus commissioned, uh, sorry, God commissioned Jesus to reach unsaved people. John 4.34, my food is to do the will of the Father, the one who sent me and to finish his work. So what fuels Jesus to get outside the four walls is that he was commissioned to do this. And Jesus commissions us to go after the great commission. In Luke 15, 10, it says, all of heaven's angel rejoices when one person comes to know Christ. This morning at our first service, we found out that one person came to Christ. The whole of heaven is rejoicing because of one salvation. In Matthew 28, 19, therefore go make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Church, our faith is not just for here and now, although it's good. God has called us to reach the lost. It is his heartbeat. You know, the late Billy Graham, the evangelist, the great evangelist, was commissioned to go after lost people. The truth is every single one of us in this room, we're commissioned to go after lost people as well. So firstly, Jesus was commissioned. Secondly, Jesus showed compassion. So think about the woman at the well. Jesus showed compassion. And I love that compassion is not just about feeling sorry for somebody or empathetic or concerned. 
Compassion is actually doing something about it. Compassion is moved to do something about it. You know, when you see those ads or um, your heart breaks when you hear stories that people, you know, kids have turned up in a local primary school with no shoes or no food to eat. You hear, well, your heart breaks when you see um, homelessness or you see child poverty or you see tra- human trafficking. Your heart is stirred to do something about that. You're stirred to pray. You're stirred to give. You're stirred to go. You're stirred to volunteer. You're stirred to raise awareness, right? Well, God too was moved with compassion towards us. When he saw the sin in our lives, God moved with compassion towards us. And he, his compassion caused him to say, man, Jesus, my son, I love. I will send my son to become the answer to what this world needs. See, compassion leads Jesus to places where they were hurt and broken. He wasn't sitting inside the walls waiting for the hurt and broken to come in. No, Jesus went to where the lost and the broken were. His compassion drove him. See, Jesus knew that that woman at the, at the well was a social outcast. See, nobody draws well at the hottest time of the day. Everybody draws well when it's cooler, right? It's easier to do that work. But this woman, she was like, oh, man, I'm just going to, hopefully nobody sees me. It's, it's hot as nobody's going to be around. But she was wrong because Jesus was sitting at the well waiting for her. His compassion opens his eyes and he sees not just her her physical needs, but he sees her spiritual needs. That's what compassion does to us. We see not just their needs, but their man. I don't just see that you're hungry or you're homeless. I see that you need a savior. Jesus is the answer to your life. Psalms 103, 8, it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, and he's slow to anger, but he's abounding in love. How's your church, how's your compassionate gauge to people? How are you doing on that? I can tell you I need to be more compassionate towards those who don't know Jesus, compassionate to the needs of those around me. When we pray those prayers, you better believe that God's going to turn up and he's going to give you an opportunity to be his hands and feet. If there's one thing that this young generation uh, wants, is that they want a cause to live for. And uh, Christmas in the car park that we did as a church um, at Christmas time, we were like, man, I'm sure that there are families that need sort of just extra, extra goodies, you know, or just some food supplies. And so Christmas in the car, came, car park happened, and we were like, well, why don't we just ask some of the families that turn up from the community if they would like? And we weren't too sure if people would respond, right? Because we were like, oh, it's a little bit, you know, awkward to asking people. We had over 50 families put their hand up and say, man, we could do with an extra parcel at Christmas time. Times are tough right now. And you know what? Our young people got, got together. We did these massive Christmas parcels and we went out to these families and we delivered it. And the conversations that we had with these guys opened their hearts. See, compassion and kindness opens our hearts opens their hearts to the gospel. And many of them, we have heard testimonies, have come, come to church, have attended our services, and have, their whole families have been saved because of it. When compassion is in our hearts, it opens our eyes to the needs of those that are around us, and it moves us towards them. So Jesus was commissioned, Jesus had compassion, and thirdly, Jesus makes conversation. 
Um, I love the fact that kindness and compassion are great icebreakers to conversations. Because the Samaritan woman was a recipient, she was on the other end of God's love. When he began to make conversation with her, she engages. And Jesus asked her this question, will you give me a drink of water? Now think about it. Jesus didn't ask her, can I have a drink of water? Jesus said, will you give me a drink of water? And I believe it wasn't about her ability to give a drink of water. I believe it was more about her heart. It was a question about her heart and her will. See, friends, Jesus shows us that when we make conversations with people who don't know him, it's important to ask the right questions. And I know, um, I know this too well because I found myself in many awkward conversations where I, yes, where I ask the wrong questions. Have you ever been in that conversation where you go up to somebody and you go to say hi? Oh, they say hi, and before you, you don't even say hi, you're just like, oh, fine. And they're just like, well, I didn't even ask you if you how you were, but anyway. And then you're standing there like, oh, it's like awkward as. Anyone like that? Just me? Just me? Yes, thank you. Susie, don't lie. <laughs> Susie, <laughs> awkward conversations. Or have you ever been in a conversation where just one person is talking the whole time? And you're just standing there and you're just like, bit like now, how we're just standing here and I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. Awkward conversations. I found myself in an awkward conversation not long ago uh, where I was with some friends and in, in comes this guy and he turns around and he smiles and I just thought, me being me, I must know this guy. So I was just like, hey. so, so I get up. And I go, and I give him a hug, and I say, hey, bro, how's it going? And then, um, so because my memory is not the best, and I was like, oh, dang it, I don't know, I've forgotten his name. But So anyway, I was just talking, and so I asked questions. like, so my go-to question, if I haven't seen somebody for a long time, is, bro, what, what are you up to? What are you up to these days? And because we were at Laidlaw College, I thought, it's like, oh, I didn't know you were studying at Laidlaw. And he goes, oh, yeah, I just started studying at Laidlaw. And, and as our conversation went on, I realized that I don't actually know this person. <laughs> In fact, I asked about his family, about his kids, about his parents, you know, how they doing? I didn't know they traveled overseas. And then a stark reality hit me. I don't know who you are. I have no clue. <laughs> Friends, it's important when you are making conversations with unsaved people that you are asking the right questions. Don't be like me and just assume that I knew that person. I had an awkward five minutes. Five minutes, we kept going on and on. And then I was like, man, I, I gotta go, man. It's like, good seeing you. Ask the right questions, okay? Ask the right questions. Awkward, super, super awkward. Ask the right questions. And here's the other thing what I like about it is that Jesus... Um, ask relevant questions. See, the fact that the woman came to the well, Jesus didn't go, he, he said, can I have a drink? You know, will you, are you willing to give me a drink? He doesn't go, oh, what did you have for lunch today? He didn't ask her, oh, isn't it hot? It's a scorcher today. I reckon that had he asked the wrong questions, the outcome of the story might be a little bit different. It's important to ask the right questions and conversations it's important to ask relevant questions. And lastly, it's important, I think it's important just to speak everyday language. 
speak their, just speak everyday language. Um, I don't know about you, sometimes as Christians, we just become Christianese. You know, it's a language. It's an actual language. It's Christianese. You know, somebody's like, oh, how are you doing? You're like, thou wast good. <laughs> now, I know that's archaic. And, uh, but sometimes you hear people say, you know, how are you doing? You're like, oh, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Now, don't get me wrong if you say that, right? Say it, that's good, amongst believers. Think about it from somebody who doesn't know God, who doesn't, who, who maybe, dare I say, maybe angry at God or maybe not a good relationship with God. Think it from their perspective. We ask relevant questions, we ask the right questions, and we just speak human language. It's like, how are you doing? Man, I'm good. How are you doing? And as we ask these questions, with unsaved people, I, begins, I believe it begins to build trust and relationship with them. When we, our conversations are seasoned with love, wisdom, and grace, that's when we begin to see the people that we care about, begin to, those unsaved people begin to take down their walls one wall at a time. And for many of us, it might take a lot of conversations, it may take a lot of questions. It may take a lot of time sitting there and listening to them. But we know that we're doing our part to take the gospel outside the walls. You see, Jesus' encounter with that Samaritan woman is said to be Jesus' longest conversation recorded in the Bible. And yet this conversation changed her life. So Jesus was commissioned. Jesus shows compassion Jesus makes conversation. And lastly, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. When we make our conversation, it is not up to us to condemn people or pass judgment. With unsaved people, like, oh, you know, I had five husbands, this is my sixth husband. (laughs) Jesus didn't go, oh, wow, you sinner. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus loved on her. Jesus showed compassion towards her. Our conversations should cause people to ask questions. Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you do what you do? What's different about you? As we step out in faith and obedience, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help us, you know, to, to bring truth to their lives. John 4, 15, the woman says, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. See, the well is a place where you draw water from, and it's the place where a young woman found living water, and her life was changed because she had a conversation with Jesus. So Jesus was commissioned, Jesus had compassion, And Jesus makes conversation, and the Holy Spirit brings conviction. So with that example in mind, how do we as Christians make conversations in our everyday lives? And I've just got a few suggestions as we come to a close. Number one is prayer. We need to be praying for lost and broken people. See, what is prayer? Prayer is a simple conversation with God. Asking, uh, yeah, with God. I heard a quote that says, you can't lead something that you don't love. You can't lead something that you don't love. You can't lead people to Jesus if you don't love people. 
God has called us to go into the world and to make disciples, and we need God's help to love and reach our family and friends. Our prayer should be, man, God, would you send one person, would you send one unsaved person into my life that I can have a conversation with, that I can make conversation with. So one, we are praying for lost people. Two, go to the well. Go to the well. The well is a place where thirsty people are at. People who are wanting living water. In our everyday, ordinary lives, Jesus encountered people on his travels outside the four walls. And sometimes our well is in our everyday, ordinary places where we think God can't turn up in. Sometimes our well is actually at our offices. Sometimes our well is at the gym. Sometimes your well can be in your classroom or in your lecture or in your maths, sociology or your students. Where is your well? Our well is found outside the walls of the church. Jesus knew as he sat down at the well that he would encounter thirsty people and he was ready and he's expectant. You know, my well not too long ago was at the BP station. I was getting a coffee with a friend of mine and um, as we were waiting for our coffee, I was muttering to myself, reading the paper. It's like, man, this place is busy as. And this guy on the other side of the table, he goes, yeah, it's really busy. And in my head, I was really aware. I was just like, no, 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 I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. <laughs> in my head, I was just like, no, no. And I just, I just wanted my coffee and I wanted to get back to work. And then, um, but something, I just knew that God was speaking. And in my head, it was, um, he was just, oh, he asked, a, he asked, a, oh, no, God stirred me and said, ask him if he's a local. And I was like, oh, are you a local? <laughs> I was like, oh, bro, are, are you a local? And he goes, no, 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 I'm from out of town and I'm here with my son. And uh, the long story of it was that they had come to do some training and his son was actually a, a New Zealand under-20s figure skater. And his goal, his next goal was to get to the Olymp- Winter Olympics. And being a sports fan that I am, I started name dropping, you know, oh, you know, figure skating. And I was thinking, my era, Nancy Kerrigan and Tonya Harding. And he's like, oh, you know figure skating. I was like, yeah, no triple axles and all that stuff. And honestly, we connected, we bonded. And I actually, because I actually, the last Winter Olympics was watching a lot of the figure skating. And I knew it was for a reason, man. Not because I was going to be a figure skater, but, <laughs> but we got talking. And through that, he goes, oh, you do know a little bit about figure skating. I said, yeah, yeah. And as I asked the questions and relevant questions, and I said, so you're not a local. You're just visiting from over town. And, man, it must be expensive. And he, he started to tell us that, you know, he, he, they work hard as parents to fund their child's, you know, sport. And the, the dream was to get to the Winter Olympics. And my heart just burned, one, that he was a young person, but two, I just said, man, I said, look, I'm from Church Unlimited across the road, and I'm a Christian, and I believe that, you know, I would love to pray for you. And we did, right there in the BP, my wow was at the BP station, and we bowed our heads, and we prayed, and we, and in the hustling and the bustling of everyone getting petrol and coffee, there we were, just the four of us, praying that God would bless him. And then after that, I said, don't forget me when you make the Winter Olympics, okay? Because God helped you. <laughs> go to the well, church. Go to the well. So one, pray for lost people. Two, go to the well. Three, do something different. Do something different. Maybe your questions that you're asking are wrong. Do something different. Ask the right questions. Ask relevant questions. Maybe you need to start praying 
Maybe you need to change what your conversations are about. So instead of people asking, oh, so did you go to church this week? You say, yeah, I went to church and I heard this message um, uh, about making conversation and it challenged me. And just wait. Wait for them to ask, so what challenged you? And then boom, you're in. Make a conversation. Do something different. Do something new. Switch up your conversations. And finally, as we make conversation, the last part is to share your story. In John 4.39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I ever did. We trust that as God leads us to, at the right time to be able to share our story with those people. This is how I came to know Jesus. This is, how, this is what Jesus did for me. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. When we share our story, it has the power to change lives and those around us. So as we land in the last two minutes... Jesus shows us that taking the gospel beyond the four walls is simply making conversation with lost and broken people. It's a, it is compassion and kindness that opens up their hearts. In our conversations, when we ask the right questions, when we're relevant, when we speak normally, we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to bring conviction in their lives and stir up their hearts for truth. Church, let us be found praying for the lost, Let us believe that as we go to the well, that God is going to turn up. And that as we share our story, that there's something in their lives that are going to say, man, I want more. I want this water that you're talking about. I want this Jesus that you're talking about. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you this morning.